Hey, this is Colin Kennedy. I am the director of Iron Road Communications. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through the disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Janutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show. Leadership is changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And if you haven't already checked out, listeners, check out the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing. And if you're on LinkedIn, check out the page, Leadership is Changing. Hey, we have a guest here with me today, and his name is Colin Kennedy. He's uh, having started his career as a news journalist, Colin is the former CEO of, of Agritech Inc. and general manager of a social and emergency housing company. However, most of his career has been in the reputation marketing space, specifically marketing and sales management, public relations, and content marketing. Nowadays, he helps business leaders become thought leaders. Hey, Colin, welcome to today's show. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Yeah, it's a real pleasure having you here, Colin. Hey, so I've given a brief introduction to our listeners uh, about you. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Sometimes that can be quite daunting because I've been lucky enough, I think, to have done a wide number of things. Started life as, as a, a journalist and prior to that, the military. So did a couple of years in the military and then went into to journalism and sort of meandered and made my way, I guess, into marketing, sales and marketing. And that's more or less where I've been there. I've had a couple of roles, uh, general managers roles and CEOs roles and, and various leadership, been in my own business, done done quite a lot of things. Would bore you to, to have to listen to them more. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so how did you get into leadership, have, you know, leadership roles and how did you get into it? You know, it was an interesting experience. I was working for a company that did publishing, so graphic design, printing, you know, developing newsletters, magazines, PR, that sort of thing. And they had a sales team of about 13 people, and I was one of the, the salespeople as well as an account manager and, and, you know, a business of probably about 70, 80 staff, so relatively small and, you know, global terms. So you, you got to do everything. And the managing director was a he was new to the role he was from liverpool short guy sort of walked with a, a good sort of swagger knew, knew, knew what he was about and he used to run the sales team and one day that some of the sales team was saying to him well you know we really need a dedicated sales manager you know 13 people it's it's a, a good size team and we need somebody to to look after our priorities and in the middle of the sales meeting he looked at them and he said well 
what about Colin taking over the role, <laughs> which was the first I'd heard of it. <laughs> wow. And um, I had to sit there while he, each person around the table had to, to give the pros and cons of why they thought I'd, I'd be a good you know, fit for the role or not. And uh, I remember it, at one stage, one of them, one of the older ones, he was probably a bit more resistant to this 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old taking over um, as their boss said, well, we haven't asked Colin yet what he thinks. And your first instinct is to be humble and go, oh, well, you know, there's so much more experience than me in the room and all of that sort of thing. And I thought to myself, you know, you hear about opportunities coming along and this is one of those moments. So I'm going to grab this with both hands. And of course, I said, no, I'm, I'm up for this. And, and that's how I ended up in my first um, leadership role. Excellent. And so when you were talking about the 20-something-year-old taking over and there were probably obviously older people in the in the team, how did that transition happen, uh, go? I mean, was were they happy? Were you happy? How did it go for you? Yeah, well, I, I got the role because most of the team thought that, you know, I'd be a good fit for it and, and they mm. would be happy to, to work with me. But, you know, I was 28, I think, and 27. And there were some uh, salespeople in that role who were in their 40s, possibly early 50s. You know, it's a bit hard to gauge age when you're 28. And they were naturally, I think, resistant to it or, or maybe a bit resentful. So, you know, I had that dynamic to deal with at, at quite an early age. And I remember my sort of first, I remember it quite clearly. I was running a sales meeting and it was about 4.30, maybe 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and the one um, salesperson in particular was saying, oh, it's knocking off time. You know, I, I'm going now. I'm going now. It's knocking off time. Yeah. I'm going now. And I was sort of leading to wrap up the meeting, um, but then I got a bit stubborn <laughs> and went on for a couple more minutes, and she persisted, but, you know, it, it's it's knocking off time. So eventually I walked to the door and I opened the door and I said to her, Donna, here's the door. If you want to leave, you can leave, and anybody else who wants to leave with you can join you. And she had half risen, and everybody just stayed put in their chairs, didn't move. So she sunk back into her chair and that was the last challenge I had from her. Yeah, interesting, eh? Yeah, because the, the reason I ask that question is because there are different generations that are in organisations today more than ever. And, and of course, you know, how do they actually work together and so forth? And I find a lot of the younger leaders struggle with themselves personally. They think it, they, they have this imposter syndrome or they have this thought that they have in their mind of, oh, do I, what are they going to think and can I do it and so forth. And it's really interesting to see how that transition goes. And so sometimes there are some things that need to be ironed out, but it tends to sort of work its way through and, and, and go okay. Yeah, I think ignoring a, a situation um, doesn't help. Uh, yeah, mm. You know, you do need to address it. You do need to address it assertively and confidently. Um, and obviously, you know, you have to have the confidence to back yourself. But you know, if you do that, if you, if you address the situation and look to resolve it, these things usually have a way of working out. It's it's when we leave a problem to persist that it becomes a real problem. Yeah, yeah, it festers and it gets bigger and bigger as we go. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Hey, um, here's a question for you, and it's uh, this person could be alive or from history. So, who is your favourite leader and why? 
<laughs> I, I sort of have two, I guess. The, the first one would uh, be Nelson Mandela, possibly because I met him as a journalist. And, and it was quite interesting because when he was first released from prison, one of my roles was to follow him around as he went electioneering um, in some wow. really remote rural places. And, you know, we spent about two or three days or may, might have been four days on the road with him. But that was that. And then probably a good two years later, we were at a briefing and he came out to address the media, had a look all over the media, saw me and said, hello, Colin, how are you? Wow. Which completely blew me away. I mean, the, you know, this, this person was meeting hundreds of people a day, but he had that um, ability to connect at a human level which I really appreciate. And of course, he knew my name, so how could he not be one of my favourite leaders? Possibly the other one is is, is, a, is a prob- possibly a common choice is Winston Churchill, and I liked him because he got stuff done. Yep, excellent. Wow, that, that's the ability to connect at a human level by Nelson Mandela and remembering your name like that. That's fantastic. And the other th- thing I wanted to say here, Colin, is that 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 would have been an awesome experience to follow him around and 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 report on things. That'd be brilliant, just to sort of have be around a guy who's gone through that experience and and seeing his transition. I think I think one of the things with that is um, you can look back on it and realise that it was an awesome opportunity um, with hindsight. But I think you know part of being. Uh, one of the things about being part of history is you actually don't know that you're being part of history at that right. moment and need to savor it. You know, it's just it's it's another day on the job doing what you do without real. It's it's only in hindsight that you realize that you had a privilege or that you were you know you had an, a, a moment in history. Yeah, and when you can join those dots later on, it's it's amazing what you can see and you can learn from that for sure. Hey, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that name, that title, what does that mean for you? I think the way we deal with people is cha- has changed and is changing quite dramatically. You know, in the past, perhaps as much as 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, if you told somebody to do something, they did it, you know, and it was kind of a lazy leadership, I guess, is, you know, I, I think... Nowadays, you cannot be a lazy leader. You know, you, you need to engage with your people. You need to to win them and move them. You know, just telling people to do something is not not effective. You know, there, there needs to be wise. There needs to be engagement. And I think uh, the whole human relationship and, and dynamic has shifted. It, it is a more equal relationship, I think. And that requires uh, a bit more work and a bit more thought than than, than the old style of what, which I would consider lazy. Yep. So being a lazy leader, being a leader that will sort of just shoot from the hip and hope for the best is not going to cut it today. You have to prepare. You have to be able to communicate and connect with people is what Colin is sharing with us, listeners, and the fact that you need to prepare but also win them, uh, win them and move them uh, and where you want the organisation to go and your employees, which is really important. Yeah, I mean, you still get leaders who who sort of, you know, are quite authoritarian, who, who bark their orders and all of that sort of thing. But you have other issues. You know, you have possibly lower productivity levels. You have lower morale. You have higher staff turnover. You have all of those issues if, if you're not engaging people at a human level. 
and and treating them more or less you know as equals because they are you're all in this together um it's just mm-hmm. so happens that you're the one you know that's a has his his or her hand on the tiller yep yep fair enough so how has your business or industry changed and what pressures that put on you or demands that's put on you I think um, again, and it's possibly something that doesn't just impact our industry, but but impacts industries across the board, is the changing social dynamic of the workplace in today's environment. You know, as I mentioned earlier, um, things are are more equal, but you know, between people, there's no more just telling people what to do and expecting them to do it. You know, there needs to be the um, there needs to be the why, there needs to be the buy, and there needs to be the motivation and the building up. And I think those are really good things. And I think, you know, we're, we're seeing this this in every industry. As as you know, I, I now work in, in the reputation business and, uh, you know, reputation marketing, that sort of thing, and, and helping CEOs build their brands. And I think that has been a fundamental change is that CEOs nowadays have to be a brand if they want to to be really successful, not only um, in their own careers, but also in their business, in their industry, because the more of a brand the CEO is, the better that business is going to perform, you know, the more success it's going to have. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense, and it's quite interesting whereby... Are leaders actually spending enough time on their own brand? Are they actually doing enough? And, and so um, is there one or two things that you could probably share with us, Colin, that you think that leaders do need to do in particular to actually help build their brand? Communicate would be the first thing. You know, we saw, for example, a number of, of airlines over the past year that have had some difficulties, obviously, because of COVID and and. You know, restricted air travel, and and so business is declining. And there were some CEOs who just kept mum, said nothing, and went through this this whole disruption. And there were others who communicated, who who were front and center with the public, leading the business. And those airlines are always going to perform better and and be better off, or, or any business like that. So, communicate. I think you know you you very you cannot hide in the back office anymore. And and I also don't. I also think it's possibly no excuse to say, well, I want to give my senior management an opportunity to step up and you know have some of the limelight. But you know, it's not limelight. It, it, it is communication, and it needs to come from the top. Um, and you can share it, some of it all, but certainly if you're the CEO, you need to take the lion's share of that, that public persona of being out there and communicating and talking and liaising and being seen to do it. Backroom doesn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah, so right. I mean, I, I've been working with quite a lot of organisations of the last sort of six months to actually a year, and we've been talking about change and what change has done to help them be successful on that. And it comes down to what you just said, uh, which is around communication. And if they're not there and there is no communication, then there's a void. And if there's a void, what happens is that the employees will start to make it up. And that's where you start getting the gossip and, the and you know, all the chatter and so forth. And it's what we call nowadays fake news and so it's not always the truth and then that fesses into something else and then you start getting all sorts of problems so that also comes back probably to what you said earlier on the lazy leader right 
Yes. So, so, so that would be definitely one thing is for the brand is communication. Would there be anything else that people might need to do to help develop their brand as a leader? I think there are, there are a number of things. I think good leadership, and, and, and most your listeners will know this, comes from being mission-driven, you know, having that why and being really strong on, on whatever the why is, not only for your people but for the public. So, you know, lead very strongly with, with your why. Why are you in business? Why are you doing this? Why are you, you know, what are you aiming for as a mission overall? Right, right. Yep. Okay. That's, that's really important for sure. Yep. Hey, um, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what would that one thing be? Government interference. <laughs> oh, yeah? Tell me more. I, I think uh, governments are uh, too, you know, possibly in particular because of COVID, but I think they've always had this. The, the government's ability to change policies and directly and materially impact how businesses function almost at the drop of a hat sometimes needs to change. There needs to be more consultation with business before, you know, wide ranging. And, and I mean, with business overall, with all sectors of business, before governments make moves and, and changes and laws. And yes, they, they put the public interest first and that that's very well. But business is also in the public interest you know and people's jobs and livelihoods depend on what happens to a business so it's not just a case of putting the public you know first in terms of policy making but when you put business first and to or, yep. or make it a priority in terms of of your policy making and decision making you're also putting the public and people first and i think we need far less interference. And I think government inter interference and influence in business has been growing and it needs to be pushed back. Mm, interesting, eh? Interesting how... And, and so, Colin, would you say that's governments across the board, right across around the world? I think so, yes. Um, yeah. you know, we see it in we, we see it in New Zealand, possibly less so, but, you know, uh, you know I've been directly involved in... in in policy decisions that have impacted businesses, I, I had to make 22 people redundant because of a government policy change and a government policy change that happened almost overnight. You know, no consideration, just let's do this because, you know, for whatever reasons they had, which we won't go into. So, but then you, you sort of see in the UK as well where there's, you know, ex-Supreme Court judges speaking out against you know, government's unilateral actions and all of that. And, and I understand COVID is an extraordinary circumstance and there is a need to protect people, but there still needs to be, you know, more consideration as for consequences and implications rather than just doing. We're not authoritarian, you know, most of the Western world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Some, some good points here too. And I think... Um, if there was more consultation. And I think, once again, it comes back to communicating well, consulting well, connecting and helping things out. That would be really important. So, Colin, you and I, uh, we run our own businesses, but we've also been employees of organisations in the past. And you and I also know of people who are employees today. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I think they've changed quite quite dramatically, really. You know, there is, there is a need... Um, I think employees expect uh, leaders to take them into consideration in terms of their, you know, their needs, their problems, their their goals. Uh, you know, people aren't just there to do a job anymore. 
it's now the person then the job if that makes sense um, and I think if you can put the person first and and deal with them in a way that makes them feel included that 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 recruits them and motivates them and, and gets their buy-in you, you get the job sorted anyway um, it is yep. from difficult it's not you know it's not for laziness but I think people now have a, a very high expectation about how they're treated in the workplace yeah it's, it's interesting you see a lot of organizations have passed whereby they do presentations and they talk about the three different pillars or the three different areas you know strategy and then they've got uh, the, the business and then they've got on the other side right at the end and they always leave it to the end people yes and it's been always left to the end right and so what i'm hearing you say is that it's not just about the job it's about the person who's actually in that job who's actually filling that seat it's a person that's really important and and you and i know and today businesses are built on relationships and people right and if you don't have people you ain't going to have business and yeah, um yeah so it's uh, it's really interesting how how things work out for sure yeah. so yeah there is the expectation yep yeah as i was saying you know last year i had to make 22 people redundant and, and you might sort of think well you know how is that the people first approach but you know it comes down to that decision where you're sort of saying well look if we carry on like this this is what's going to happen you know the whole ship is going to go down if we if we pivot this way then we can save maybe you know 20 percent or 30 percent of the staff or you know we can what are your options so sometimes you know doing the tough things with dignity and respect uh, has to be done because you know it's the bigger picture always and but i think you know the people consideration has to be at the forefront of all decision making yep yep absolutely yeah i like what you say there do the tough things with dignity and respect that's a great way of saying it for sure Hey, yeah, um, it's a very emotional process. Not only it, it's emotional for um, for the people who you know on the receiving end, as, as well as the people who are having to do the job. It's very hard, as you say, for both sides of the table, and there are a lot of emotions going on, and it's it's very hard to see the transition happen. There are two skills, you know, two skills, two two schools of thought. You know, one is you know, how do you do it? And, you know, that's mean. And then on the other hand is we have to because we're going to survive. So so it's very hard. Uh, I, th I think for a lot of that kind of things, damned if you do and damned if you don't kind of scenario, it's never going to be easy. It's always hard. It's like, it's people like saying to me, well, when's the right time to take some annual leave? Well, there's never the right time. Hmm. When's the right time to actually, you know, make somebody redundant? There's never a right time. You just have to do it. But as you say, the tough conversations you have to have and you have to do with dignity and respect. And the number of leaders I see who whimper or wimp around the conversation or aren't actually there present in the conversation and being with the people because they've just got to get something over the line and tick the box, it doesn't come across well. And then they wonder why the heck they've got problems happening and then um, just treat them like human beings, right? And then um, it's what's hard. I, I love what you say about being present. Um, you know, I think uh, every one of those, those, you know, if you're doing redundancies, you have to be present in every one of those and, and give everything of yourself. And I, I think there might be a tendency of some leaders to try and, and take the tick box approach because they're looking to protect themselves, you know, because it is, it is an emotional and it can be tough for you as well. But 
I think it, it, looking to protect yourself is possibly not the, the best leadership call. You know, if, if you have to, you know, if it is an emotional process and, and you are present, that's good. That's treating people with dignity and respect. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's never easy. And um, so I, I also think it actually builds character of a leader too when they have to do things like that, uh, for sure. No one wants to do that. No one wants to get into that scenario. I mean, I'd rather not. I'd rather grow than having to downsize or let people go, which is which is always hard. Hey, so what makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? You know, here in New Zealand, I often think of Rob Fife and Air New Zealand. You know, Air New Zealand is, is a success story, obviously, and I think, you know, I attribute a large part of that to, to Rob Fife and his leadership. The public really bought into him and his brand, you know, and media called him a rock star CEO. And I think if you want your business to be successful, uh, you know, he, he is a good example of somebody who was front and center with the public, with the media. He didn't hide, you know, he didn't dodge the, the tough things and the tough questions. He did what needed to be done um, and he communicated brilliantly. You know, he was personable, charismatic to an extent and he didn't hide away. And I think, you know, that that is a very good example of what a CEO needs to be in any conditions, in any tough conditions, because you're not just... Um, particularly bigger organizations, you know, you're not just leading your staff and your teams, but what you do and say has broader impact publicly and impacts, and that impacts the success of your business. Yeah, and I think it also impacts the the share price. It impacts lots of things. I think uh, I've even seen here in New Zealand with that kind of, you know, what you're talking about with that CEO, uh, with Rob and uh, Rob Fife, is that, you know, even with what we did around, the organization and when it was going through some troubled times and so forth and how it was turned around and how it was made better then it became a funky kind of airline and just to watch the employees and the uniforms they were wearing and just how out there it was and it was different and uh, i don't know about you but whenever a time i was traveling around the world and i'd be in an airport so let's say i'm in los angeles or in san francisco airport and then you see the air new zealand staff walking through and just just put a big smile on your face and just go like ah oh, cool I'm home and it's just not great to see them and you hear the accents, but that was all bought by in that communication and that creation of that beautiful brand. And um, it's a wonderful thing to see. And, you know, part of that wasn't, you know, you know, you could say, well, marketing department and advertising agency and all of that did a good job. But the fact is they were really just reflecting how the CEO was coming across. You know, he led that from the front. And even if he didn't come up with the ideas, I'm, I'm quite certain um, that they were inspired by how he conducted himself. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is that you know, he's living it, right? And him and the and the leadership team are living it, which then transforms into the rest of the organisation living it. And uh, it's a great, it's a beautiful thing to see actually happen and and transform over time. Colin, here's a real interesting question for you. If I was to ask you to get your crystal ball out and start thinking about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years? You know, it, it's earlier I sort of talked about less, less government interference and you know, um, and business and 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 um, changing policies and all of that sort of thing. Part of that, and and some of that has obviously been good, um, is 
you know, protecting the rights of workers and, and staff. Um, and I'm just, you know, putting this out there, I, I just wonder if it could end up tilting the other way where, you know, you, you land a job, it's almost guaranteed that you're in that position for as long as you like, and nobody can shift you regardless of, you know, whatever circumstance. I think we're seeing a bit of that already, and I think certainly uh, employment will become more guaranteed, more more stable, more permanent, and I think that's going to require a different style of leadership where if you've got people who aren't perhaps afraid of, you know, losing their jobs or, or um, you know, who know they're in a pretty safe spot, you know, how do you lead somebody like that? Um, I think that's going to be quite a challenge in, in the coming years. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, it's, it's been like that in the past, right? Years ago, we used to say, you know, join an organization for life. And then it's gone where we see people in there for 18 months, two years into organization, they move on to others. Now, we've seen the reverse of that and, and coming back the other way, which is pretty interesting to see for sure. It is. I, I think though, what you had in, in the past was a cultural and social thing, you know, where somebody got a job and they stayed in that job because that socially and culturally was the right thing to do. At the moment, socially and culturally, people are more inclined to, to move positions, look to advance their career and, and that sort of thing. But I think what's happening is the, the growing and increasing amount of legislation we're seeing in terms of worker rights and employee rights and all of that sort of thing, some of it good, some of it maybe not so good. And I think um, that's going to shift in a direction which almost makes it a you know legislative cert job certainty, if, if that makes sense. Yep, got it. That's, it certainly does. Hey, Colin, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? You can look me up on, on LinkedIn. That's Colin Kennedy. Um, the business is, is Iron Road, or, or you can look at the website as well. That's www.ironroad.co.nz, or, or check out the blog. Excellent. So, um, Colin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Excellent. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests as I interview them, or if you have a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, Send me an email, Dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, team, don't forget to check out the Facebook group, uh, Leadership is Changing, and the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing. And here's an offer for you, a free 30-minute strategy session to sit down with me and talk about your goals, where you want to go, what you want to do this year, and then how we can help you get there and make it happen. Okay, team, it's always a pleasure having you here on the episodes with us. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.